Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. This is exciting. I'm so I am really excited about what today will mean for us. It's not just today, and I'm not making a big thing about the preach. I'm just saying that today is a crossing of a line in the life of this church. And whether you've been in this church for years, or whether you've just been in this year, or whether you've just come for the first time today, uh, today's the change of, of the future. So let's just pray right now about how God wants to challenge each one of us um, with this morning. So Lord God, thank you for your incredible word, which is going uh, Lord, out to the whole world. And God, we are, we are part of your kingdom. It's your kingdom come. Lord, that was the instruction in the Bible that we should pray. Father in heaven, your kingdom come. And God, this morning, in the name of Jesus, we pray your kingdom come. And help us as a church to grasp what you are doing in your church here in this location. Uh, with this series, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I say, I'm, I'm uh, excited about this series. And I'm going to really, it's just interesting, where do you start with a brand new series? Well, Movement and Multiplication 4, this is the fourth year we've been steadily going through the book of Acts. Now, we've not been rushing it, we've been taking bite-sized chunks of the book of Acts, because the biblical pattern for Holy Spirit-filled New Testament church is movement and multiplication. It doesn't say be static and remain comfortable. It's movement and multiplication. And we've been uh, picking this up really over the last four years. This same time each year we've been doing this. And uh, there's another reason for this. A friend of mine called Jossie Chaco um, is an incredible leader. He's Indian heritage, spent many years in Australia, very successful business guy actually, but made a fortune and said, God, what do you want me to do with all that you've given me. And he felt God say, go back to India and the Asian subcontinent and and start to plant churches. Now, right now in Asia, it's getting very, very difficult. In India, the government, if you know anything about India right now, to get into India is very difficult. If you call yourself a Christian, you're going in on a Christian uh, visa or a pastor's visa or going in on a charity visa. It's very difficult. In fact, many charities are being pushed out of India right now. And I, I spoke to Jossie about what he's doing, and, and they've planted already something like 15,000 churches, and they, they expect to plant at least another 10,000 this year. How are they doing it? They're mobilizing, mobilizing believers with full-on faith to do this, and they train them, and they equip them, and they launch them. Uh, and it's very systematic. But by God's grace, they're doing amazingly, and, uh, and it, it's inspiration. I said to him, how have you reset your thinking to be, be able to do this? And he said, well, we make sure that our, all our leaders, thousands of them, thousands of them read the book of Acts. They meditate on the book of Acts. They read it cover to cover to understand the movement in the kingdom of God. And it's so easy for us to become stuck and static. But we've got to be unstuck and not static. We've got to be mobilized. And so that's our heart here as a church. And in the last series, I had this deep, deep conviction that God is resetting our foundations as a church. He gave it me from scripture. He gave it in my spirit. He gave it in my imagination. He gave... 
And he, he's doing it. It wasn't me. I didn't decide to do that. He decided to do that. And he said, this is what I'm doing with this church that I love. I'm going to reset it. And as a result, uh, during the last three or four months, uh, there have been five new roles created in staff and in the board, and etc. But, um, but also there's been some changes around how the, all these roles work. Every one of these roles is shifting. Uh, why? It's so that we can begin to, to enable things to grow really healthily and multiply. And so each one of us are called into that. And we had a great um, Leadership Central on Wednesday with the leaders to talk a little bit about the space God is creating for ministry and capacity to grow in the church. Um, if, you, if we had time, and we don't this morning, to go into all the stuff behind the scenes that God is doing, you'd be amazed. Uh, I do encourage you, if you're not part of a small group, or if you're in a team, and you, I encourage you to speak to the leader that came on Wednesday to, to the conversation we had on Wednesday, to begin to see it. And this is an introduction to this series, uh, Movement Multiplication 4, but um, I just wanted to call it Beginning a New Journey... Starting to see. Because we've got to see what God sees. We've got to. We've got to. And so often we see a lot of other stuff. We get our vision and sight uh, caught up with pressures of the world. Pressures in relationship. Pressures in schooling. The new terms just started. Uh, young people at the moment, their parents are taking them off to university. I think there are three this weekend, which is fantastic. Now that's absolutely the right thing. But you can see the world is full of stuff that will draw your attention. But we have to have kingdom minds. Uh, in, in everything we do, if we're taking kids to university, if we're, taking, uh, if we're going on business in various parts of the world, if we're running homes, if we're helping in community, we have to have our eyes on Christ throughout everything and not allow ourselves to be distracted because God's moving right now in this church. I feel like every day something is happening in the life of our church. Every single day. Every week something new happens and I'm almost overwhelmed by it. And uh, anyway, so getting into this, I I thought I'd give you all a quiz um, by way of a start. You know, the second mission journey that Paul started was a three-year journey. And uh, it was full of excitement and adventure and uh, personal challenge. But I've got this little quiz for you if this thing's going to work for me. Okay, here's a little quiz. Straightforward, really. You know our sort of tagline as a church, our motto almost is disciples reproducing disciples. So what should the next line say? Leaders reproducing? Good. So it's not (laughs) leaders reproducing disciples. So leaders reproducing disciples. Leaders, and you notice the small print, small groups reproducing small groups, locations reproducing locations. Right now, we're at disciples reproducing disciples. We are going to move in over these next few months and over the next couple of years into leaders reproducing leaders, small groups reproducing small groups, locations reproducing locations. And Nick Rescue, when he came last week, said we are at a, he felt in his spirit that we are in a season change as a church. And I know that's correct. He didn't know the history, where we'd come from. We'd planned him to come for some months. Uh, I really wasn't sure what, but I knew he was a man of God, and I knew he'd sort of pick up on what God was saying to us. But he came in with a strong prophetic emphasis about this is a, a season change for our church and it absolutely is and so the season doesn't it's not going to happen in the autumn sometime that season changes now 
It happens right now. That it's, that's what the kingdom of God's like. It doesn't, it's not like a fluffy cloud thing. We, are, we walk right into it now. It starts now. So as it starts now, what does that mean for us? It's, it's one of the challenges we have. So my first point, really, hopefully you can see that clearly, is let's read. As we're going to start really in Acts 16. I know this, book, this chapter so well because, as you know, I've got a passion for Macedonia. And uh, talk about that later. But, but the second mission journey actually starts at the end of chapter 15. I don't know why the writers didn't chop the chapters in a different place when they, they created the text, the biblical text. But, but um, so to really get the, this mission journey in front of us, we've got to go back to the, the end of Acts 15. And it, in fact, it says in verse 36, uh, and I've called this first bit, seeing how things are going. See how things are going. And my challenge to each one of us is to, to look at how things are going for me. So each one of us. It's not about the person next to you. In fact, take your finger, point it upwards, and say after me, see how things are going in me. Right? It's personal. This is personal. The kingdom of God is personal. God knows all about himself. We don't, he, he doesn't need to know about himself. He needs to, we need to know what he thinks about what's going on in us because he sees us. Uh, and we can't hide. Nobody in this world can hide from God. Whether you're with him or against him, you can't hide. So our journey is with him and we have to see what's going on. So Acts 15, 36 uh, and it starts with the bizarrest thing. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously planted or preached the word of God to see how the new believers are doing, to see how things are going, to see what's going on. Then verse 37, Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, his relative. So two or three years now after that first mission journey, they've come up with this idea. Let's go do another one. And there was a trigger for this because there'd been a council of leaders in Jerusalem who'd been debating about the validity of some erroneous teaching that you had to be circumcised in order to be a follower of Christ. So that some, some teachers were saying you had to be circumcised. And they were creating all sorts of man-made rules to try and put a framework around this kingdom of God move. And so there's this huge debate in Jerusalem. And the leaders thrashed out this result. And the result was a letter was produced to free up the churches so they weren't caught up in legalism. And there was a letter that these guys were going to carry. So they were going to visit the churches and take the, this letter. And uh, But... Um, it's right to think about what's happened. Now, when we went through Movement of Multiplication 3, which was this time last year, during that period of time, do you remember what happened? I just want to remind us for a moment what's happened in, in this church. And if you're listening online or if anyone's listening to this podcast at a later date from another church, we get a lot of people listening and coming into our podcast from around the world now. But I want us all to challenge what's been happening over the last few months. Now, here at BCC, um, last year we baptized every single month last year. And that was the first time in my history in this church, and to my recollection, that's ever happened. So God's, the Spirit of God's moving in the hearts of people, drawing those who are looking for truth into our, our world. And they are getting baptized. We were getting baptized last year. We moved from two services to three services in January this year. Um, and that is no small exercise for a church that's sort of trying to live and, and, and kind of do things in the right way. That's a, that's a challenging 
thing. And so then, of course, remember the theater. We went to the theater and had over 500, nearly 600 people maybe involved in that. Friends and connections came in. And God brought us uh, ministry from the Middle East. Also, do you remember we had um, a friend come in and, and teach us from Israel as well? So we had the Middle East and Israel covered in one month. That's very biblical, very scriptural to, to understand these bigger picture things. So God's giving us a bigger worldview. In fact, our international feast just before the summer was more than double the previous one. Remember, we had 50 people from the States flew in just to join in with us. Uh, and the connections there are significant. They want us to be more connected with them. And you may have noticed that since then, there have been people coming into the service from the USA uh, by recommendation from New York and the west, east coast of the US. Why is that happening? It's because the world is very, very small and God's kingdom is advancing. And so people want to know where God is doing stuff and what God's doing. So as we come close to the home, um, you know, we had the 40 nations at least in our church and, and the guys from the US. But then we had this new series of resetting foundations. It seems like everything's going really well. God, why would you reset it? And that's because he's got another plan. And we haven't got a full view of what that plan is. We just know we've got to discover it. And that's what this mission journey is a little bit about. Um, but one thing I will say is that movement reveals weaknesses. Movement always reveals weaknesses. It reveals the weaknesses in us personally and us corporately. I mentioned this actually last November. I, I mentioned, I use this expression, movement reveals weaknesses. It's going to reveal your weaknesses and my weaknesses. It's going to reveal weaknesses in planning, in relationship, in all sorts of things. But we mustn't be put off by that. That's the whole point of movement. It's to help us to be strong so that we can strengthen up in those areas. You know, when I was on holiday um, in the summer, I had a couple of weeks. First time in three years we'd been abroad as a family. We stayed at this hotel. It was a little bit out of the way on the south Spanish coast. Mostly Spaniards there. And on the first day we arrived, got into the pool, and a British guy came over to me. And I thought, why is this British guy coming? I realized he was the only other British guy in the hotel. And he wanted to talk to me as a Brit. He realized, you know, the, the no suntan, the skinny, you know, non-Spanish looking. Uh, I must be the, the one. So, so he came over. I said, how's it all going? He said, oh, it's very, very good. It's very remote here. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Oh, he said, it's really good. The kids have all basically got on. He said, there have only been a few rows. <laughs> and I thought, now that sounds like holiday time. Now, who's been on holiday this summer and had at least one little, little uh, moment when there's been some challenges? Don't, okay, don't raise your hands. But it happens, doesn't it? Because when you change your context... Stuff happens, doesn't it? Have you noticed? Someone flares up. Someone misunderstands. Something happens. So movement reveals weakness. And uh, this guy said, not too many arguments. I thought, well, that's a good result then. And, uh, and lo and behold, tensions build up. Why? Because it's a different setting, different pace, different context. And, uh, and this is exactly what happened in the book of Acts as we move to verse 38. It says here, it says, but Paul disagreed strongly about John Mark um, coming with him and Barnabas. Why? Because he'd been deserted by John Mark in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. That's Paul and, and Barnabas. Now, we know Paul is an apostle called by Christ, and Barnabas is the son of encouragement. These are huge figures. If the men of this stature can disagree, there's huge potential for us. Right, there is. But we've got to learn from it and not be caught up by it. Eventually, Mark, uh, John Mark did become reconciled with Paul. And they all got on well. We know from Colossians, we read about it. So we know that relationships were restored. But the irony was, 
um, there's a breakdown in unity between Paul and Barnabas, and yet the letter they were carrying from Jerusalem was all about bringing unity. So the very thing they were trying to do, they experienced the complete opposite in human terms. And so that, sometimes that happens in the kingdom. But let me just tell you this. Even if there's a breakdown, it doesn't stop God's plan. God's plan, we know Romans 8, 28. We love to quote it, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So God turns all the tricky situations into profitable situations. And God will do that. So that's what the situation here is with this situation. So actions, this thing seems to be, yeah, actions trigger unexpected reactions. Actions trigger unexpected reactions. I was thinking a lot about this over the last uh, few days. And uh, one of the biggest challenges and where, where the biggest problems come in relationship are assumptions. Assumptions are probably the biggest cause of damage in any relational setting. This is my experience. I might be wrong. You challenge me. Assumptions are where we get it wrong. And the assumptions are not they're not meant to be bad, but they, they get it wrong almost all the time. Assumptions. And there are two specific kinds of assumptions that cause differences between people. The first is the assumption about someone's motive. Right? We assume someone's done something because they've got a motive in their heart that we don't like. Right? That's it. It's an assumption, and it's probably wrong. So we have to guard ourselves against assumptions about people's motives, because I guarantee you this, and it happens to me constantly. I assume something's going on, and it's not going on. <laughs> it's human weakness. We assume that there's a motive in someone else's heart, and it's not real. Most of the time, it's not real, which is why you've got to get together and deal with understanding motive. The other assumption um, that is really tricky with us. The other danger with assumptions is the other one, the other side of this, this coin, if you like, motive and consequence, right? Because we get concerned about why someone wants to do something and we invariably get it wrong. And we also make assumptions about what the outcome of something will be. And we get that wrong as well. We fear something that probably will never happen. And so we make these two assumptions on someone else's motive and the outcome of the journey we're on. And I think that's exactly what happened with Paul and Barnabas. I think Paul, I wasn't there. I might look like I was. <laughs> um, but, but I think somehow in their human nature, Paul assumed that he was going to get let down by John Mark. And he also probably assumed that, that Barnabas wanted him there because he was a relative. Can you see the sort of human weakness in that? And the assumption was also the consequence would be that they would be derailed in their missional activity. That's what I think. It's that simple. And so you get separation. And it's the wrong assumption. So those two things, for me, would be a, a, a key point to think about this morning. I want to remind us of a very simple way of solving disconnects, how to solve disagreements. And I've, I've taken this from a slide from last November. But I use the acronym LEARN. L meaning listen and understanding. It says in James 1.19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. So listen and understand. If you want to help solve disagreements, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Listen and try and understand what's really going on with the situation. And then I, 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 my, this is my observation. Examine the differences between what you think is going on and what actually is going on. So examine and the differences between you. It says in Proverbs 4 verse 7, uh, though it costs you everything, get understanding. 
though it costs you everything. It's actually better to cost everything to get the right understanding, because if you get the right understanding, you actually can build something. So I would encourage you, maybe in the small group, to study these few points. Um, the third point uh, in the acronym LEARN is A, agree your actions. Agree what you're going to do. And it says in Matthew 18, 19, um, God brings blessing when two agree on a matter. There's a blessing assigned to agreeing what you're going to do. So don't live in a place of disagreement and assumption. It's a dangerous place. Um, third, uh, fourth point, resolve, um, solve the problem. Now, in the case of Paul and Barnabas, it was solve or separate. Now, I don't like the idea of separation, but there could be a need to, to draw some space in a, in a relationship for a period of time. Um, but ultimately, you realize with time, actually, it's the assumptions that are working that cause the separation. So um, it says in Proverbs 12, 18, a wise tongue heals. A wise tongue heals. So actually, wisdom stops separation. It solves the problem. So you can avoid the separation. And then the final word, navigate, and navigate with care. And it says in Galatians 6, verse 2, it says, bear with each other's burdens. Why? Because it fulfills the law of Jesus Christ. We fulfill the purpose of Christ when we carry one another's burdens. So navigating with great care is really important. Um, so I just bring these to you. And of course, it says in First uh, Thessalonians 5, encourage each other and build each other up. Now, I just bring that in because when we start a journey, and we are starting a journey today as a church, we're starting a journey and we're stepping into it, which means all these adjustments are going to happen. We want to learn from these characters in the Bible. And so my next um, point this morning is um, see what God's preparing See what God's preparing. Acts 16, uh, verses 1 to 3, it says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra. This is after the separation. Where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised. Isn't that ironic, given what they just had in their letter before they left? For everyone knew his father was a Greek. Now, you, I, you can buy books and study the life of Timothy and how he was called and discipled. Uh, and this morning, isn't, there isn't time to fully do that. All I will tell you is this, was that Timothy was probably 19. He was a 19-year-old teenager. Um, it's the first time in the Bible Timothy is mentioned. And the, Timothy represents a whole new generation of powerful missional personalities coming into the Bible. That's what this is about. So on this second journey, when you've gone back to look at what's going on, as you look at what's really going on, you'll begin to see the opportunities to release and to see what God is preparing in discipleship. Discipleship is never going to be a church program. We as a church must understand this from the outset. We, if we talk about disciples reproducing disciples, it will never be a course in BCC. We have got to grapple with what authentic discipleship is. And I'm so excited that Rick and Mary have come in from the States. They came, arrived on Friday. They'll be in the next service, in the third service. And they'll be with us all week just to hang out with the church. Isn't it incredible that godly men and women, four of them have flown from the States just to hang out with us. There's no agenda. They just want to hang out with our small groups, talk about discipleship, help us to, to understand and grapple with what discipleship looks like. If we think we can spend all week at work and do our various activities and then expect the church to run a course for discipleship, 
We are missing this by a mile. Discipleship is what we carry as a personal responsibility before God. God's not going to say to me, Mark, when I stand before him in eternity, what did you do with the church? Did you run all those discipleship programs I planned you to run? He's not going to say that to me. He's going to say, Mark, how did you equip those in the church to become disciples and disciple makers? And he's going to say to you, what did you do with the opportunities I gave you? Did you see the Timothy that was right in front of you? Did you see the person that needed to be encouraged? Timothy was a shy teenage boy, but he had a good reputation. He had a, he had a quality about him. He had, he was, his reputation extended between two towns, 18 miles apart. He was a young man with lots of potential. It's not a program that we run in church. It's our responsibility to be disciples, reproducing disciples. So I'm excited. I'm so excited when I look back. You know, we talked about new interns this year, and, 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 and we're not overdoing it on the intern front, but look at the quality of the people that God has sent us. You know, Sophia led worship last Sunday. One year ago, she'd never led worship in a church. My mind boggles at the incredible growth in people who are hungry to be servants of the living God. I'm telling you. And we've just got to be willing personally to take risks with people, encourage and navigate and lead them. And, um, and as I say, Timothy represents that next generation of, of, um, of people coming through. And some of us have been around long enough to have discipled many, 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 many people. And I'm convinced that's what Jesus is going to say. Where, where are your disciples? Where are the people you discipled? And I have got to answer that question for myself. Now, this, as we go forward from here, this is our challenge. How are we going to engage in authentic discipleship? We as a team are going to, start, we're going to create a framework, a sort of skeleton for equipping and training and discovery. But we have got to own that. We have got to own it personally. And how will we do it? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting that Timothy was called into a ministry opportunity, and the first requirement Paul gave him was to be circumcised. <laughs> now, how many people in our conventional Western culture would like to respond, hey ho, I'm called to mission, okay, see me out the back? <laughs> you know, it's not an attractive way to, to move people to action. But, you know, it's easier for us. But God's got a massive plan. He's got a massive plan. And we, all of us, are called to lead ourselves and lead others in this discipleship thing. So, so then Acts 16, 4, 4 and 5. They went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. We've talked about that letter. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Every day. God's plan is movement, multiplication, and to see things grow daily. There is a daily expectation in the kingdom. There is. There's a daily expectation about what we will walk into, who we'll connect with, how things will develop. There's a daily expectation. So uh, we've talked about seeing how things are going in me and in our situation, uh, seeing what God is preparing in terms of discipleship opportunity, and then finally see the door that is opening. Now this is exciting because when the doors are opening, um, that means new situations are going to occur. And um, but before we get to that, I just want to remind ourselves at Leadership Central, we challenged all the leaders in the room. We took a, a discussion time and a, and a reflection time. So all the leaders that were at that meeting challenged themselves with two questions, and this is broadly what they were over the next twelve months or three years. What do you want to see developing? 
in yourself. Ministry, gifting, capability. What do you want to see develop in yourself? And secondly, how can BCC, our church, or if someone else is listening from another church, how can their local church help them to succeed in the very thing they want to achieve? We've got to ask this kind of question. And we've got to get with the leaders, those around us and the people we trust who can stretch us a little bit to help us to give good feedback about this and to think about it. Now, I know in, in the church here, there's some amazing opportunities growing up in people's lives, and we're working with people on that right now. But we are going to see ministry and gifting and missional activity multiply across the church. So talk to the leaders that were in the meeting about that. And I, I would encourage small groups to start getting this discussion going in the small groups. Car park team. Um, catering team, cafe team, welcome team. It applies to every area of the church. We don't just do jobs. We serve a king who is leading us into missional opportunity. And so the open door part, can we see the open door, the direction that God's leading us? Acts 6, 16 to 8, 6 to 8. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's modern-day Turkey at the time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on to Mysia, to the seaport of Troas. Sounds like a lot of places, and you probably can't picture in your mind what that looks like. You probably can't. But let me just tell you this. Paul assumed that God would take him to the major cities of the regions that he was traveling in. He assumed that's what God would do. He assumed it'd be like a clockwise journey that would be a relatively small and contained journey that God would take him to Ephesus, that he would take him to Bithynia, that he would take him to one or two of these places because they were the places where most of the people were and where the influence was. Well, Timothy came from a little backwater town uh, and joined this group and God didn't do that. Now, what we may not necessarily know is that we read in, in Acts that Silas was a prophet. I, I don't know if you remember that, but Silas, who is now with Paul, has got a, the ministry of a prophet. He came from the Jerusalem church. Paul was linked to the Antioch church, and Timothy was from a rural location, with a small group of believers. That combination was formidable. Why? Because the prophetic was now operating with Paul, the apostle, as they navigated. How do you think Paul knew not to go to certain places? I would reason that Silas was, was a major factor in it because of his prophetic gifting. And that was why, in effect, it, Silas had to be with him. And maybe it was God's plan that Barnabas wasn't going to be with Paul. But Silas had to be there because of the not just encouragement. Because encouragement tends to take you into everything. But prophetic leads you in a more measured direction. And uh, as last weekend happened, we had a number of people, more than 20 were involved in the prophetic workshop. Now, we're not going to overdo the prophetic in BCC, but it needs to be authentic. Let me just remind us that the gift of prophecy, the prophetic gifting is firstly humble. You must be humble when you operate that gift. It's not about seeking platform. It's about knowing God. It's about seeking God. It's about, it's about having his heart. As soon as we become um, self-preoccupied with the gift, that gift can be da seriously damaged, damaging to a church. So as we, uh, right now, I want this prophetic gift to be on our journey. It's interesting that that's what God did. It's just, is it coincidence that we're reading a story where God brought a prophetic figure alongside an apostolic figure and then an apprentice figure, a Timothy, 
another generation. That's exactly where BCC is now, seeing the apostolic lead of God in the life of the church, a prophetic breath coming into the life of this church, and a next generation breath in the life of this church. That's what's going on right now. This is real time for BCC. And so they're on this journey. You know, the prophetic was so important to Paul and to Timothy that Paul references it three times 15 years later in two different letters. Remember, fan into flame, the gift of God that is upon you. You know, the prophetic, but we've got to handle it right, guys. So those of you who feel that prophetic call, you've got to be authentic. It's got to be for the right motive. It's got to be humble, and it's got to be serving the church. If we get that right, this church will move into the correct locations. We'll know when not to go somewhere, and we'll know when we see a door opening. But what happened in this journey? They go to these places that most of us have never been to, But you know, they walked on foot, 400 miles on foot, on foot. They didn't jump in their their car and scoot into Bromley and nip down to church. They they went by foot. They walked 400 miles. Can you imagine what Paul felt? He must have felt with Timothy. Timothy, we're going to go on this great adventure. And actually, all that's happening is the door is shutting. They're told not to do things. But God will do that. He did that in my life. He shut doors in my life. I know it. I know how to understand when a door shuts. I've walked through that journey, and many of you have as well. I know exactly what it feels like. I know when. Uh, I know spiritually what it feels like. I know when God's speaking to me about a door shutting, but I also understand when the door's opening. And in this case, this is something that you may never have noticed. You know, they ended up in this, uh, this coastal resort um, of Troas. How did they end up there? God saying no to this and no to that. Well, to get to Troas, which, by the way, historically was near Troy. And remember Homer, the, the, the writings, the, the story of the Iliad? It was all created around there, um, this historical location. They end up on this coastal resort of Troas, wondering what on earth is going on. We've been told not to go to these prominent places. Why is God doing that? And... Um, And they're in a a dilemma. I mean, they must have thought, what is God doing? We've done all this walking. But God's about to open a door. And they they know they trust by faith it's going to happen, but they don't know what it is. Um, You know, I I just at this point drop in. Liz and I are going to Rwanda a week on Monday because there's a door opening there with our church. You know we're sponsoring the Compassion Kids. Well, we believe there's a, a partnership relationship that must emerge there. We don't know what it's like, but what it's going to be, but we'll find out in about two weeks' time. But there's a, a door opening, and they knew something would happen. There's a season change right now. Our prophetic giftings in the church need to be humble. They need to operate with integrity, and the motive needs to be to serve. But look what happened. And you know this scripture. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. This is an amazing little story because God said no because God had another plan. And sometimes we've run into things and God said no and, and we get put out by it. We don't like it and we wrestle with it and we feel like our ministry's been collapsed or, or God stopped us at our prime or something went terribly wrong. Let me just tell you this. You can't do anything that's so bad that God can't restore. All right? So right now there are people with ministry journeys or missional hearts or discipleship and you've had problems and you had, you've had, you know, to get to Troas, they had to go through Mysia, which is a mountainous region. They had to climb through the mountains 
to get to where God could speak to them. And maybe that's where you've been. You've got to get through the mountains to get to where God is speaking. And he's going to speak to you. And I want to challenge you. It says here that, it says, verse 10, so we, do you realize this is an amazing thing? So we, that word we, I'd never noticed it before. But you know why it says we right there? Because Dr. Luke joined them at this point on their journey. And at this point on the journey, God will provide exactly the right team to get the job done. And the scholars will tell you, that's why, because Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And it's the first time after 15 chapters in that journey, suddenly Luke is now real time involved with what God's doing. At the right time, God will bring exactly the right people together to get the right decisions. So, so God drops a vision into Paul's mind at night. And he didn't just say, okay, guys, we're off. You know what he did? They sat down over breakfast. What do they eat that in, that, in that ancient time? Bagels and cheese and a bit of salad, some olives, some olive oil. Don't know. But they sat down probably over breakfast. And Paul probably said to them, guys, I had this thing happen last night. I had this dream, this vision. The man from Macedonia. How do I know he did it probably like that? Because it says in the scriptures here, he says, they, they, um, it says um, they concluded... They concluded. In other words, they talked about that vision. They sat around the four of them and they weighed it up. In fact, the, the, the Greek word there says they, they pieced together and they reasoned what God was about to do. It wasn't Paul lording it over saying, oh, I'm autonomous. I'm going to go and do my thing. This is a very important word here. They concluded that they should go to Macedonia. That's what they concluded. And we need to be like that. Why are small groups important? Because you on your own can't do what God is wanting a called ministry to produce. It takes more than you and it takes more than me. And God will bring the right person at the right time. And together we will conclude what God is speaking to us. Otherwise, we'll have error all over the place. We'll get things out of whack. We'll make mistakes. But you need to be in a group of people who are working on the missional, visional call for your life and my life and your team's life. You have to do it this way. It requires a spiritual courage and a spiritual depth because God's got a plan. And I'm so excited. You know, 10, uh, in 2010, I had my first visit to Macedonia. And my devotions the night before I went into Macedonia was Acts 16. I, could have, I fell on the floor in shock. That, that was my devotional reading the day before. I was in Sofia, Bulgaria. And the following morning, I went into Macedonia for the first time. And that was when I met a guy called Venso. And Venso was an apostolic figure on the eastern side of Macedonia. And he said, Mark, would you ever support a couple of church planters? And we talked about it. We concluded. We reasoned it and we concluded. And I said, well, okay. And from that day, we made a decision about Jordan and Vesna, a couple in Tetovo, and that was in 2010. And then Carl and I went over there just to check it all out, make sure it was good. And as a result of that, we've now progressed. We now have a bridge center there. That's moved three times. Sophia, who's on our team now full-time, is taking the team with Caroline on the 30th, the next team, with HCF in partnership. As a result of Jordan and Vesna, we met another couple called Emil and Vesna, who's down in Struga, who planted the church on the Albanian border, which linked them into a church up in Rotherham um, through a friend that God connected out of the blue. And, and can you see what happens when you reason what God is saying and you take measured steps and you work on it? God will guide and God... 
God will lead. So I'm excited. I'm excited that God is taking us on a journey. And I'm excited that it's every one of us and it's real time and it's right now. So let's stand now. Um, we're going to just, I think we will just pray. So just keep doing this. I, I just want to pray right now. And if you're standing here this morning and you know that you have a witness in your heart that taking a measured step of faith right now is what God is calling you to. I just want to raise your hand because this journey is for all of us. If you're with us on this journey and you want to see what God is going to open up in your life and the life of this church to lead you into a missional calling in our community, through our marketplace, just raise your hand with me now. I want to pray. I'm going to pray for everybody. Lord God, right now, Lord, we want to have a good hard look at what's going on around us in our lives. We want to see what you're doing in us and around us. God, we want to have eyes that see what you're preparing to be able to see the discipleship opportunities in front of us. Help us as a church, God, to disciple this next generation, to be disciples, not people who follow programs, but people who carry that discipleship. And finally, God, help us to see the open door of opportunity in front of us. God, Lord, we know, God, we know that when, if you close a door, you always open another door. If you close it, you always open another door. And I just pray today, Father, that God, for those who perhaps have seen doors shut and have got frustrated and felt, well, that must be the end of that. I pray, God, today that, God, the new door will open today in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.